I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What's good, San Diego? Welcome into Gwen and Chris on this Tuesday afternoon. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, who's in Vegas. Matt Scravey, who's at the Odyssey Empire. Empire. We are spread out all across the West Coast. Of the United States, Chris, how, how's your day going? I love it, man. I this is no place I'd rather be than in Las Vegas for tournament time. A little March Madness last night. The uh, Aztec women pulled out a tremendous victory over New Mexico, 69 to 68. Tony, they never led until the final 47 seconds of the game, and you know they were able to come up with the win. And now tonight they get a chance to take on the top seed and undefeated UNLV Rebels. So. Uh, this is what March is all about. It's fun to be a part of it, for sure. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Now, they're in action tonight. Yeah, they'll be playing the uh, semifinal game a little later. Uh, about 5 o'clock this afternoon, they take on UNLV. And uh, so, I mean, it's going to be tough. UNLV's won 20 consecutive games. And they beat the Aztecs twice during the regular season. But both games were decided by six points. And... Uh, I know that the Aztec women are uh, really excited about this opportunity. It was a great game last night, Tony. I mean, imagine playing, you know, an entire 40-minute game and never leading the entire way until the final minute you're finally able to get the lead and then hang on for the win. They were very excited. Yeah, I'm sure that made it all the bit sweeter before I move forward any any more uh, forward in the show. I want to send a shout-out to... My oldest daughter, Michaela, she uh, was named to the second team Avocado League um, in the soccer season. She's pretty excited about it, so uh, just wanted to let her know how proud I am of her for uh, all the hard work she's put in. Man, that's, uh, that's in, pretty in good a for a freshman, season. Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good for her. Uh, we will have an extra prize. Sometime around 4 o'clock, you have a chance to win a pair of tickets to a Padres spring training game at Peoria Sports Complex. You'll, you'll be qualified for the grand prize. Two tickets uh, to the spring training game, a $500 Southwest gift card to get you there, and a $500 Visa gift card to find a place to stay. Go to PeoriaSportsComplex.com for tickets and info. Uh, let's get into the Padres who are in action as we speak. Obviously, I'm here with you guys, so... Um, not actually doing the game as the uh, Padres are taking on the Angels right now. 2-2 ball game, uh, top of the seventh. Um, let's hear from Bob Melvin. He, uh, he spoke a little bit about Juan Soto and what he was planning to do uh, in his workout today and 
after we hear from Bob, we'll also let you know where that progressed. The plan for Soto today as he's hitting? Hitting. I think he's going to get some at-bats and running progression. So, on their GM said he'd, like, maybe later in the week, like Friday maybe, to fly over there. Is it oh, cruise? Hopefully. That's what we're hoping for. But, our, you know, we're still not at that point. Hopefully today it goes well, and, and that is the case. I love how they keep referring to their GM. I know. It's like Nelson Cruz is their GM. It's so weird because like it's GM. his player. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, but it I sounds... was going to say, AJ is really doing his homework if he's talking to the Dominican Republic GM. And then I realize, oh, no, that's Nelson Cruz. All he has to do is walk into the locker room to talk to him. AJ's a trip. He said their GM said that he'll be coming. <laughs> yeah, well, their GM is Nelson Cruz. Uh we would later find out, according to Juan, Sp- Juan Soto, who spoke to the media inside the clubhouse, he said his calf feels 100%, and the plan is still for him to depart for the World Baseball Classic later this week. I think that first part is the most important part. He said his calf is 100%. That means treatment, all this stuff that they've been doing has worked well. Uh, Juan Soto, he was on Sirius, Sirius XM, uh, MLB Radio, um, and he talked – a little bit about his World Se- a World Series run um, with the Padres. <laughs> I mean, talented is great. I mean, I think we have a little bit more talent in here than what we have in the Nationals, you know. Not get me wrong, but the Nationals, are, we have a great team. We have a really good veteran team, but we have more fun than anybody else. I think I, I never have that fun that I have that year. Uh, how we winning games, how we enjoy it, how we coming back from games. It, it just you don't see that too often. And I think the Padres, we we have a really good chance to do the same thing here. The only thing is going to be the chemical. I think we have we have everything to win a World Series. We just got to get it together, get everybody together, and try to enjoy it as much as we can. I know we we all care about winning, but we got to enjoy it and, and have fun with it. Yeah, I, I mean I remember uh, that Nationals team. Being, uh, I think who was it? I think it was Eaton would like hit a home run or he'd come in and him and Howie Kendrick would like be doing like some gear shifting motorcycle thing on the bench. It was they seemed like they had a blast. But what you heard Juan Soto say there was that this team, and I think we've kind of come to this conclusion, might be even more talented than that World Series team, Chris, that he was on for the Nationals. Yeah, that's pretty high praise right there. We, yeah, you know, Juan Soto's going to say that the team that he was on that won a World Series, you know, just a few years ago, and compare it to this year's Padre team and say that this year's Padre team probably has more talent than that one. I mean, I, I can't say I disagree with him, but I think that the Padres have to go out and prove it. You know, I mean, they have to go out and prove that it's all going to work. And I think that's what Juan Soto was saying, is he's saying it's all going to matter. I think his term was that we, the only thing that we have to worry about is the chemical part of it. And uh, I, love, I love the broken English once in a while from these guys. You know, we don't think about this, but could you imagine us trying to do interviews in other foreign countries and answer yeah. all of these questions and give these wonderful answers that are, you know, perfectly and fluidly spoken? You know, I'm really all these guys in sports and elsewhere that do such a great job with the language. We take it for granted, but... Uh, Anyway, I, I just think that, you know, the the parts are there. He said that the parts yeah. are there, and it's just a matter of whether they can get it together. And, uh, 
you know, I think that that's what we're all going to wait and find out and look forward to seeing. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt about it that um, the team is, teams are built a, a little bit differently, but nonetheless, um, they both are super-duper talented. Bob Nightgale's reporting, um, no official announcement yet, but probable starters for the rotation for Team USA. Adam Wainwright will throw game one. Game two goes to Nick Martinez. Uh, Lance Lynn will pitch game three, and uh, Miles Mikolas uh, will pitch game four. Um, I mean, this, as I told you, this is this is something that Nick Martinez is looking forward to. Um, on the flip side of that, today, uh, one of the guys competing for his a spot in the rotation, Seth Lugo, another three and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Chris, he continues to look pretty good in spring training so far. He's 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 showing off uh, some of his, his his starter savvy out there. That says nothing but good news right there because I, I, to me, Seth Lugo's not a question mark. When, I think when you say somebody's a question mark, people all of a sudden assume negativity. I, I, I'm not, to me, it's not a negative thing to say that he's a question mark. The reason he has to be a question mark is because he's been a reliever the last few years, and you have to see right. whether he's going to be able to get the job done starting. But when he keeps putting on performances like this and starting roles and going multiple innings, and, you know, you, you worry about a guy like Lugo facing the lineup a second and third time. This is not something he's been doing the last couple of years. So um, this is very encouraging. And, you know, you want everybody to pitch well in spring training because you want to make – you want everybody to have a good feeling going into the regular season. And Seth Lugo is giving everybody a really good feeling. Now, Michelle Baez went two-thirds of an innings, struck out one. Robert Suarez went an inning, gave up two hits, but didn't allow those to come – uh, Adrian Orderhone had a tough outing, uh, went an inning in the third, seven hits, five runs, uh, two strikeouts. So uh, the competition uh, starting to heat up in, in some places, cool down in others. I tell you what, the the outfield competition I think is uh, has been pretty interesting because David Dahl has swung the bat well, but so has o- Jose Azokar, who also was on the team last year. Uh, he's done some things. Uh, nicely, although he he's 0 for 3 in the game so far today. Um, there's, there's there's not a whole lot of a space out there, but competitions are, are are pretty pretty heated right now. You know, I think David Dahl has one advantage, and that is, that's that he hits from the left side of the plate. We talked yeah. about this already. The Padres are decidedly right-handed coming off the bench right now, but just because you hit from the left side of the plate doesn't mean you're going to get the job. I, I think Azokar runs a real good opportunity here. Um, Azokar, I mean, you can use him in the speed game, in the running game. You can use him defensively. Uh, you know, Dahl, I, the, the thing with Dahl is he's a proven commodity, but you have to prove whether you can do it again because he did it two or three years ago, and he hasn't done it since because of injuries. So uh, it's going to be an interesting choice. It doesn't mean it's going to come down to those two guys. I think Adam Engel, right. I mean, I, I still don't know where he's at in terms of his injury. I think the Padres would like to keep him around if they if he's healthy, but you know we signed about a big league deal too. That's right. So I mean, you would think that he's going to be here if he's healthy enough. But the the neat thing is, we we have fun talking about this in spring, and then they make the opening day roster. And I don't have last year's opening twenty six man day roster in front of me, Tony, but I guarantee you that there's four or five guys that were on that roster opening day last year that didn't have as much of an impact on the season 
as guys who weren't on that opening day roster. Oh, for sure. I have it right here. For sure. Do you? Yes. Are there some... What do you have? What do you have, Mr. Scraby? Thank you, Chris, for asking. Um, Austin Adams was on the roster. He didn't. I, did he pitch at all last year? He didn't Not pitch at all. Much, no. if any, yeah. Uh, Javi Guerra no, was on the roster. I'm um, looking he through. Was on for a little bit. I'm looking through for guys who were there, but not that. Wasn't Matt Beatty? Oh, Matt Beatty. Yeah, Matt Beatty. Uh, C.J. Abrams, Jose Azokar. We all know that Jose Azokar contributed, but I, there's three guys right there. Yeah, yeah, there's probably more on there. That there's we probably do, more, Scravy. Come on, you got to support my point. <laughs> I mean, do we know the rest of them. He's, he's, he's I'm looking panic. at it right he's now. In panic mode. I mean, there's not I'm, another name on there that did, that didn't make it to the end. Um. Well, we know our side. All right, I'm just gonna. Yes, right. he didn't make the. I'm just gonna name everyone then, so you guys can get off my back about it. Austin Adams, Nabil Krismat, Yu Darvish, Javi Guerra, uh, Pierce Johnson, Nelson Lamette. There we go. Another one that exited There's the team. One. Nick Martinez, Joe Three Musgrove, so Craig Stammen, Robert Suarez, Stephen Wilson, then Tim Hill, Shamanaya, Taylor Rogers, Blake Snell, Jorge Alfaro, Austin Nola, Abrams, Beatty, Cronenworth, Hosmer, Kim, Machado, Voigt, Azokar, Grisham, Voigt. Myers, Profar. All right. Well, at least yeah, at least seven five, of those guys were not on the on team. Yeah, at least seven or eight of those were not on the roster for the playoffs. So I'm yeah. feeling feeling All right. uh, somewhat let's... somewhat like you backed me up, but not very well, Scrabby. <laughs> I mean, I'm just <laughs> reporting the facts here, sir. All right, we got a full length show for you. Uh, Matt Snyder of CBS Sports will join us later on in the two o'clock hour. Uh, we do have Scraby's arch nemesis, the uh, Chris's Fantabulous Game Show, mm. uh, will be a segment today we get into. Hopefully Scraby can, you know, I don't know, win a, win another game. He, he's already on pace to beat, beat last year's uh, win total. So oh, okay. I, I think you're in a good yeah. spot. Scrape. Thank you, Tony. I, I do uh, feel spot, man. I feel indifferent about today. I, I'm not sure which way to lean, honestly. I'm feeling different. Because I feel like it's going right, to be well, it's going to be a category that I'm just I'm just not thinking about, and so that's usually what happens. I try to study up a little. Well, that's bit. That's kind of the point. That that's usually that's kind of the point. Yeah. That that yeah. you is you're not thinking about it, and you know you're just kind of off the top of the dome. <laughs> okay, fine. Gwen versus the, the fan, big five. Crazy. We got it all. <laughs> <laughs> More Gwen and Chris on the way. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Gwyn and Chris. We got the whole West Coast covered on the program. Chris Ello in Las Vegas. Tony Gwynn Jr. in Peoria with the Padres. And, of course, Matt Scraby holding down the fort at the Odyssey Palace in San Diego. Good program lined up for you today. We'll be with you for the next four hours up until 6 o'clock. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports, one of our favorite baseball guests, will be joining us at the bottom of this hour to get us ready for start of baseball. April is baseball's month, Tony, but March is the madness of basketball. And I don't know if, if you're like me, 
and you're sitting in a hotel room like I am for the last three or four days, there's a, there's, there could be a whole lot worse time to sit in hotels. And what I mean by that is there's a, there's a championship game on, it seems like, every hour. And yeah. kids just fighting like crazy to get into the NCAA tournament. Championship week, in a lot of ways, is almost as, as exciting, if not more so, than March Madness. Yeah, no, I, I have always looked at championship week as the kickoff to March Madness, right? Like, this is the, the conference tournaments. Um, it starts from the smaller schools that end a little bit earlier in the week than some of the, the bigger bigger conferences, and you just roll March Madness and Sunday. This is uh, – this, this is, I think, some of the, 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 the funnest part of the year when it comes to – basketball right college basketball specifically because march madness then rolls um right on into the nba playoffs so this is about to be a good couple of months uh, of of high level basketball the thing about championship week too is the teams all know each other so well because they've been playing each other all year in the regular season and in a lot of cases they're just fighting to get into the ncaa tournament because you know, I mean, you look at the ACC tournament and the Big 12 tournament, and, you know, those are a lot of fun, and it's fun to watch those big schools match up. But most of those teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament regardless of what happens. It's the smaller conference tournaments that provide the excitement in my mind because you see the level of competition is just so intense because everything is on the line. It's like you put your whole season on the line in these games in the conference tournament, and that's just – that, to me, is sports at its essence. That's the most fun of sports, when teams are just competing to try to get into the NCAA tournament. I love it. Uh, some big football news today on this uh, Tuesday. I don't know. The first bit of it kind of broke my heart for a second, Tony, and that is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's going to be uh, going to put the franchise tag on him with the Baltimore Ravens. That most likely means he'll end up staying in Baltimore, but it's not for sure because they didn't put the they didn't put the they put a, a smaller tender on him. So it is possible that another team could sign Lamar Jackson if they if they choose to or try to sign Lamar Jackson, and if they offer him a contract, then the Ravens would get an opportunity to match that. And if the Ravens uh, mat, don't match it, then the team that signs him would have to give up, I believe, two first-round draft choices as compensation. So I was still holding out hope that somehow the Dolphins could end up with Lamar Jackson, but I think it's going to be pretty difficult now. Well, I disagree. I think this is their best opportunity. Otherwise, the exclusive franchise tag means you don't even have the opportunity. The other That's true. Uh, uh, the, other, uh, uh, the other option is they come to an actual agreement in which – there is no opportunity as well. So, uh, yeah, the first-round picks are uh, certainly going to be what you have to give up. But, I mean, if you're the Dolphins and you feel like you have the pieces in place, you're giving up those first two-round picks. The question really is how much guaranteed money are you going to be willing to give them? And so I, I think Lamar is going to find out, A, what his true value is, and probably worse, the Baltimore Ravens may find out that they should have just paid him when they had the opportunity. Is now the Atlanta uh, scenario seems to be up in smoke as uh, there's been reports that they are not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. Same with but the that Panthers. That doesn't mean any of these other teams. 
The Panthers are also in that boat. Um, but to me, that's those aren't two places that I, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I want to go anyway. They're not close to yeah. winning either either of those teams at this point. So I, I'm looking at the contention, the teams in contention uh, right now who have the two first round picks to give up. Those are the ones to watch because there's a couple of them. The Jets are a team that certainly could use a quarterback. The Dolphins are certainly a team that could use a quarterback. And so I, I, I'm I'm just saying I think. The Ravens could end this could end up really backfiring on the Ravens. I think they're thinking, okay, Lamar, we don't think you're worth the guaranteed money that you're asking for, and we don't think anybody else is going to give it to you. They could be on the wrong end of this when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's why they gave them the non exclusive tag. They're assuming that nobody's going to offer them too much money, but uh, maybe somebody will. The, the reason I wonder about the Dolphins, see, I, I, I was thinking that they would need to make a trade in order to make something like this happen? Because what are you going to do with Tua Tonga-Vailoa? I mean, are you just going to sign Lamar Jackson to a gigantic deal, and what are you going to just leave Tua on the sidelines? So, uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. But it is going to be interesting. The Giants have also reached a deal with their quarterback, their man, Daniel Jones, $40 million a year. I I cannot believe how much quarterbacks are making in the National Football League. Tony, um, here's my thing with Daniel Jones. I don't mind paying $40 million to a great quarterback, but I don't think Daniel Jones has come anywhere close to proving he's a great quarterback. And that's why I wonder what the Giants, if it was it was a bit of a – I don't know that they're going to be pleased with this move in the long run. We'll see. Uh, I, they may have felt like there are no other options, especially after making the playoffs last year. That puts them really out of contention for any of these good quarterbacks that are in the draft. They right. may have felt like this was their only the only choice they really had at this point. I agree. I don't think Daniel Jones is a forty million dollar quarterback per per year quarterback. I, I don't. Um, but they gave it to him, and I think uh, that is they have decided to also franchise tag Saquon Barkley. So um, they are. I I I don't know that they believe that daniel jones worth 40 million but i also think they don't think they had much of a choice probably so the other quarterback news today aaron Rodgers and the new york jets or at least the jets and rogers representatives are apparently talking about rogers coming to new york the the thing that i keep reading about is how ironic the whole thing would be is if the jets spend all this time working on getting aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers finally decides, you know what, I'm going to retire. So (laughs) it could all end up being kind of a waste of time for the Jets. We'll see how it all turns out. But, uh, you know, look, some of the dominoes have started to fall. Obviously, Derek Carr went to the Saints. Daniel Jones has re-signed with the Giants. So, you know, the quarterback situation is going to clear up a little bit. Tom Brady is still floating around out there as far as Scraby is concerned anyway. He still thinks I have, I've, Brady's I, coming Sh- back. Scraby keeps floating him around. There there. Is, he does. No, I have not. There is a question <laughs> in the Big Five today, but it's because he commented on something about the rumors. How is he not supposed to comment there, when he's asked? Point. He has to be asked. He wasn't there's... asked, though. He was commenting on a report from well, Rich Eisen. That's how much you know he's not coming back. Is that Tom Brady never responds to these reports, but he responded this time to say, "Man, basically, 
I'm not coming back. I got a kid that I'm taking. You, you're 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 reading in between the lines there because what he actually tweeted and I'm reading in between yeah, lines or be, you're reading in between Because the what lines. he actually tweeted and what you just said are completely two separate things. I said that he said he's too busy, he's got a kitten. Did he not say that? He did. And you just ruined my tease. Okay. For two hours from now. <laughs> Everybody listening, understand that two hours from now we're going to be talking about Tom Brady and kittens. My, my, my tease was going to be, what will keep Tom Brady from coming back to the NFL? Could it be? Well, the good part is, in our business, you could, you could use it again. Some new listeners might no. be on at that No, point. you've ruined it. It's lost its luster. I ruined it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. But Teddy, we'll, we'll talk about him in the Big Five. All right. We will talk more about that. So, uh, anyway, you're up to date on all the goings-on in the sports world. We'll keep you up to date if anything new pops up. But between now and 6 o'clock, a great show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, CBS Sports. Uh, Matt Snyder here, Major League Baseball, joining us shortly. A little bit later on in the program, we'll see if Scraby can finally win at Chris's Fantabulous Sports Game Show. We'll have our Big Five. We'll have the uh, Daily Gambit. We'll have Gwyn versus the fans today. It's all coming up on Gwyn and Chris between now and 6 o'clock on San Diego's number one sports talk station, 97.3 The Fan. Thirty-six on the clock. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Sello, Matt Scraby. It's spring training. Matt Snyder will join us here shortly. Um, man, I was going to say something, and then I completely like lost my train of thought. You're getting to that age, Tony. Right. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait, pal. Really unfortunate. Uh, uh, that's that's not a good feeling. Was it a baseball? I mean, it was like literally. Comment? It was a baseball thing. It was like on the tip of my tongue, and now. Um, Did Joe Mauer retire? <laughs> Did Joe no, Mauer no, no. retire? Joe, not he didn't. He didn't retire again. Um, I do find it. Uh, I am. I gotta say, I'm starting to get more. The closer we get to it, the more intrigue I'm starting to have of this World Baseball Classic. Me too. I'm pumped Especially, up. I think it kind of, it kind of came into focus today as I went to the yard, and you know, Man- Manny wasn't there, Nelson wasn't there. Um, how many Padres Soto are was actually, there? And it just reminds you. How many Padres are playing? Do we have a what's the official total? On Padres, I, I think they got to be among the the team that has the most participants, right? I, yeah, I think it's five: Manny, Nelson, uh, Bogarts, Nick Martinez, Soto, and Soto. Chris Matos. Oh, and then you Darvish, and then Hassan Kim. Hassan Kim, that's seven. Yeah, Padres must be among that the leaders. <laughs> that is a lot of guys. I think they right? are because I, I, I know the Dodgers had five, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on their roster. They might have six, so they're up there as well. But yeah, I think the Padres, Dodgers probably have the most of of all the the teams out there. And as Scraby said yesterday, that's why the Kansas City Royals are leading the Cactus League standings. Because they probably don't have anybody. That's true. Their baseball classic. Only roster. I know why <laughs> losers are good at some points. Okay. In the mind of madness comes Scraby's thoughts. Yeah. Uh, we uh, 
don't have traffic, correct, Scraby? Correct. I'm calling I'm, Matt I'm right always now. Confused cause, all right, we're getting Matt on, on the line. Uh, I will say, you know, these games, as we, you know, the guy, the big dogs have kind of moved away uh, to playing as WBC. A lot of at bats to be had. We're going to see a lot of Jake Cronenworth. We're going to see a lot of Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, these guys are going to be getting turned up. And really, these next couple of weeks. So you start getting into the 20s of March, the early 20s, late teens of March. That's when uh, you start to see roster decisions made. So these next two weeks are going to be critical for some of these guys fighting for spots. All right, let's bring on our guest for the hour. Matt Snyder joins us here. Of the CBS of CBS Sports MLB, Matt. As always, good to, uh, good to hear from you. As always, good to hear from you guys. Good to be here. Uh, Padres, uh, I would say probably one of the hottest topics, uh, considering the star power they have here. Things have kind of gotten underway. Juan Soto um, kind of dealing with some W, uh, excuse me, some uh, ca- a calf injury right now that he says is about hundred percent. WBC getting ready to kick off. I mean, what are your thoughts on on this year's WBC? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We haven't seen it since 2017. It was supposed to go in 2021, but obviously COVID ruined that. Like, it had so many things. Um, But so it's been six years. Uh, One of the interesting things is if you think back to last time we saw a WBC game was in Dodger Stadium, Marcus Stroman took the ball for Team USA, worked six scoreless innings. Heck, it might have been six no-hit innings. Uh, he was completely yeah. dominant. He won MVP of the entire tournament. He beat Puerto Rico. He's actually on Puerto Rico now <laughs> because his mom's Puerto <laughs> Rican. His dad's American. So he switched teams. He just beat Puerto Rico and helped USA win it. Now he's on Puerto Rico. That's one of the more fun storylines, but there's a lot of them. I mean, there's some completely loaded teams. Dominican Republic is completely loaded. Japan is stacked. USA's offensively stacked. We'll see if we can get enough pitching there. Venezuela, very, very good. Puerto Rico, very good. Uh, in Mexico, Korea, Netherlands, Cuba could be some of the teams that could play sleeper. It's going to be fun. That's what's great about this tournament. I mean, when you have a lot of world championships in other sports, you know, even in hockey and basketball, to me the problem that those sports have had with their world championships is that there's only really been two or three countries that could really win the tournament. But baseball's not like that. I mean, baseball, it, it runs deep. Contention runs deep, Matt. And I think that's one thing that's going to give this this World Baseball Classic not only a chance to be really successful this year, but be something that we all can look forward to, you know, in the future. Yeah, and not only is it a crowded field toward the top where you have probably five teams that could win it, but if you zero in on the format, and we know baseball and small samples can be completely fluky, and pool play, I believe you play four games. If you lose two, you're probably out. Uh, and then once you advance past pool play, it's one and done. So a lot of stuff can happen in baseball when it's one and done, especially when the pitchers aren't really stretched out. They're on pitch limits, especially in pool play. I don't think you're going to see any starting pitchers go past four innings. Um, and most of them might be limited to even two or three. So, you you know, again, you might see some fluky outcomes there. Um, and, and then even if you advance, like I said, that Stroman outing where he went six innings, he barely gave up anything, and he was all the way to his limit, and that was six innings. So there, there's going to be opportunity for late-inning comebacks, 
bullpens to dominate to come into play. Uh, for example, Kingdom of Netherlands, Kenley Jansen is on the roster, but he's not going to be with them in pool play because he's trying in spring training said he wanted to focus on the pitch clock. But if they advance, maybe he shows up and now all of a sudden they've got Kenley Jansen at the back end of the bullpen. That could be a game changer. So it's a lot of different variables go into a tournament where small sample flukes could be a plenty. I mean, listen, look no further than the NLCS where you had the five seed and the six seed uh, yeah. reach that far. Baseball is, is volatile in all circumstances. Matt Snyder joins us here at CBS Sport. And, and Matt, I, I think uh, I haven't got your, your take yet. Uh, these new rules have been implemented. You got the pitch clock. You got the no shift. Let's talk. start with the pitch clock. It's pretty yeah. apparent that even before we get to the regular season, it, it feels success most part it doesn't feel like there's been as much bickering as even i expected it to be there to be and all mlb's got to be pretty pretty excited about what they've seen from this pitch clock so far yeah the time of game is drastically cut down into the 230s i, I believe the average is that's going to go up in the regular yeah. season we've got commercial breaks are going to be a little bit longer and i think that they right now i believe the umpires are being really really hardcore strict just because it's the start of spring training and we're trying to get things ironed out before we get to the regular season. I think adjustments will be made. I think the players are going to get better at at, at dealing with it. I think the umpires are going to be a little less strict once we get to the regular season and the games matter more. But yeah, for right now, the the time of game is, is drastically cut down. I don't think that's as big of a problem as like the dead time being cut out. For me, that's a bigger deal. Like I, I don't care if a game's three hours as long as I'm not watching Pedro Baez stand there for 45 seconds doing absolutely nothing on the, the rover, then it's like, all right, man, come on. Uh, so I, I, Pedro, I think that poor Pedro by the Baez time we get the poster yeah, boy of this. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys. I mean, I just mentioned, mentioned Kenley Jansen. He takes a while too. Aroldis Chapman, which it makes sense. Yeah, he does. If you're a guy like Aroldis Chapman, where it's max effort every single pitch, he probably needs like 45 seconds before he can go out there and throw 102 again, at least when he was in his prime. So, yeah, I wonder about some of the guys' max effort relievers, if it's going to mess with them a little bit more. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to see how it all unfolds. I think that the violations, once we get to the regular season, are going to be minimal. Uh, Stuff like Max Scherzer just staying in his set position. I believe everybody saw that video that went viral. Um, That that supposedly should, should have been illegal even before the pitch clock. Stuff like that's going to get ironed out, and, and you know guys like Scherzer are going to help them get that ironed out, especially early in the regular season if we still need to do that. But I, I think it's been a success, and I think everything that looks bad, it, that will get ironed out by the time we get to the regular season. Matt Snyder's with us real from quick, CBS Sports. The following the day, real quick, the following day uh, after Max Scherzer did that, we had Bill Miller, the home plate umpire, crew chief, and it was almost like he was watching for that because a couple pitchers yeah. tried to kind of start start for it, and he, he he basically stopped the clock, gave them a warning, and, you know, was really on it. So it is going to be on the umpires to stay on top of it. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Oh, no, not at all, Tony. I'm glad you followed up. I just wanted to ask, uh, Tony touched on the, uh, the shift, and I, I really, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got to give our producer, Matt Scraby, some credit. He said that he thought he would see a team try – two outfielders and move a third outfielder into position between the first and second base hole. 
And somebody did that against Joey Gallo over the weekend to try and combat the new rules. Matt, are we going to have some fun alignments this year? And does maybe that just make it more interesting that teams are going to try to find a way to beat the new rule? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that they, they probably – the second it was even in discussion to maybe happen, I'm sure that there were front offices that probably said, hey, you two over here, start working on what we can do if they say we have to have four infielders and how we can deal with a hard pull lefty, stuff like that. So I think – and, and then once it became a rule, they had the entire offseason. Now they've got spring to tinker with it, and there's probably a lot of teams that don't even want to show it in spring training and are just working on it on the practice fields, and they'll they'll break it out at big moments in the regular season. So, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think it will be. I think it's going to be fun to watch how teams adapt to it. Um, we're still going to see movement within the infield. You know, like um, – Maybe a shortstop standing, not necessarily over the top of second base because they won't want a violation, but pretty much up the middle in the second baseman, closer toward first base, first baseman closer toward first base when you have a dead pole lefty. And then the opposite way, when it's a dead pole righty, maybe the second baseman's almost over the top of second, the shortstop's deep, deep, deep in the hole, and the third baseman's guarding the, the third baseline. We'll still see movement within the infield, but yeah, I think a lot of the extreme stuff that – a lot of people really didn't want to mess with, but a lot of people really wanted to eliminate when it just looks wrong. We're going to see plenty of that with the outfielders now, so that'll be the next step. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You're already seeing exactly what Matt's talking about. I call it the old school shift. That's what the shift looked like in like yeah. 2010, 2011, before guy before they started getting on the other side. I wonder though, Matt, considering how badly MLB wanted to get away with it and without necessarily saying it was about offense I think a lot of this is about trying to create more action on the field do you think that MLB would take the step if everybody started moving their outfield like that to possibly just ban the shift in general outfield and infield because it seems like they're pretty dead set on eliminating those type of defenses yeah I think the goal is you look, batting average dipping down, league batting average dipping down into the low 240s. We need a better batting average. It's as simple as that. And we've talked about that on this show so many times in that home runs are fun. Strikeouts can be fun if if you're the pitching team, that is. But when we got so much right. home run, strikeout, walk, we needed a lot more singles, doubles, and triples. We needed a lot more great defensive plays where it's it's more – if there's a ground ball up the middle and it ends up as an out, it's because the shortstop made a great play ranging up the middle instead of somebody standing there right. like they're a rover in Little League. Um, and I, I think the goal is is more action on the field, more batting average. Uh, everything is moving toward that. So, yeah, if you get to a point where, again, teams kind of they – they're so good at scouting nowadays. If they get to the point yeah. where they're cut out on so many singles and doubles because of the outfield alignment – you're probably going to see them attack the outfield alignment next. That's that's probably the next natural step, yeah. Matt, I have a question. I'm here in Las Vegas for some March Madness, and uh, I know that the Reds and the A's played a weekend turn a series here in Las Vegas, and, of course, that gets everybody wondering whether or not the A's are truly going to ever move to Las Vegas. The people here in this city, some of them seem like they think it's definitely going to happen. Something like, no, it's really not a realistic thing. I mean, it seems like the A's are just kind of dead there in Oakland. What do you think is going to end up happening with that franchise, number one? And number two, as far as expansion is concerned, 
Who do you think the leading candidates are to get a new team going forward in the next four or five years? Yeah, um, I, it does. It seems like all roads are headed toward the Las Vegas A's. Um, I, I don't. It, it would be the smallest market in, in Major League Baseball, and I know that it's possible to make small markets work. And hey, we're talking in San Diego. We know that can happen, but uh, it's tough to establish a new hardcore fan base when it seems like a lot of their reliance on the attendance will be opposing teams fans traveling to Las Vegas because it's cool to go to Vegas. Um, I don't know how that'll work. I don't know if it's as easy of a formula as it is in football where they're only going to have eight home games. Of course, they can sell a ton of travel packages to fan, opposing fans when there's only eight. Now we're talking about 81, uh, and you're talking about series where people are going to go to three games. I'm sure a lot of people would do that anytime their team played in Vegas, but I, I don't know if it's as sustainable of a business model as perhaps the Las Vegas Raiders would be, especially because football, it's a lot easier to succeed in any market in the NFL because it's just so popular. Um, but it does seem like that's the way things are headed. Um, in terms of other areas, I think Portland has wanted a team for a long time, and that's a very good market. And they have in place a, a group that it seems like is very serious. Um, Nashville pops up a lot. I don't know about that. That's Cardinal country. I, I, and even maybe a little Braves. Those are two of the strongest franchises in baseball. That's tougher. San Antonio is a really big market that doesn't have really any other huge professional sports teams outside the Spurs. Uh, maybe that could work. Um, I mean, they, we've built really, really good fan bases for the Rangers and Astros, and those were both expansion teams. I know it was a long time ago, but it seems like it's possible that San Antonio could work. Um, those are the big, big ones off the top of my head. Matt, last one for me before we get out of here. It'll be a, it's going to be a Padre question. Uh, obviously, they just re-upped Manny Machado. Uh, he's going to likely finish his career a, as a Padre. Uh, they got three other guys coming up. Uh, Juan Soto, he's he's two years away. Josh Hader is is another guy who uh, could possibly take um, a, a, get an extension. He's a free agent after this year. Which one do you think is more likely to end up in a Padre uniform? That's a tough one. Um, I, I wouldn't count anything out at this point, honestly, with the way they've been doing anything. Uh, it seems like uh, Hater relievers are volatile. I'll go Soto. I know that's going to be the biggest payday, but that means you can go the most years, and it seems like Preller's in a spot where he's comfortable going maybe overdoing it in years, but it just spreads it out a little more so that you're not hit as much on the luxury tax figure when you go almost excessively in years. So, I mean, especially with Juan Soto being 24, I mean, you could see him, oh, my gosh, what would they offer him, 18 years? Uh, I'll go Soto on that. I, I think that, yeah, I feel like this is a gut feeling, but I, I feel like he had a down year for him last year, which, holy cow, I mean – so many players would kill to have a year that he had last year, but that's a down year for him. Um, a lot of it was being worried about the trade talk. He didn't know where he was going to be. Then he goes to a new home. It's tough to adjust. He switched coast. Yeah. A lot of new, you know, there was just a lot of new to last year for him. I feel like now he's settled. He's, he's in a good place. Only 24 years old. I think he's going to have a gigantic year, and I think Preller is going to get in front of it, you know, especially if he gets into May. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm strong on Soto on this one. Yeah. No. I'm 100 percent with you. His swing looks like it was two years 
uh, ago once again watching them out here. So we will see. Certainly that would be a welcome sight for, for San Diego Padres. Matt, uh, as always, uh, appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. All right. Take care, gentlemen. Thanks, Matt. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports, MLB, on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall, Chevrolet, find new roads. Um, that would be pretty sweet. I don't think there's no doubt. I'm I'm um, I'm pretty pretty hard on the fact that I think Juan Soto is about to have a just a ridiculous year. I really believe that. I Let's get know, the break. Tony, his, when we come his... back. His OPS has gone from 2023 down to the 1500s. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Seems like he's struggling. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Daily Gambit on the way, as well as the 3 o'clock hour. We're going to Chris. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 